0: You don't need to give me a full amount of rest with like, yeah. conversation that's all good yeah <laughs> 27 27, 27 and then yeah. um
1: been trying to keep it consistent on mondays and then i just launched a podcast for football that's more fun and then i i had one for star wars and other nerdy stuff like i would do game of thrones once a week and i do nice. um star wars whenever
0: nice dude cool yeah.
1: thank well, you thanks for having it, me. of course yeah. well Welcome on everybody. Welcome to Six Pack with Jack. I'm J- joined by uh JR. Will do it. JR. Hickey.
0: Hickey. Yeah. Hickey. Okay. Yeah. Got it.
1: JR. Hickey. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: So I want to. I, I JR. I, I was gonna save this for later in the show, but I had some mix-ups over Twitter. Um As you saw, I accidentally. I probably did what. Vinny Chase has done, or what a bunch of people have done, where you take a screenshot and you actually send it to the same person. I actually <laughs> did. The, I literally did that to you. Um, we have a segment on the show called Digital Footprint. So for a little bit of show, show prep, I pull up a couple old tweets mm-hmm. and um, we, we go, we, we break them down, we analyze them. What were you doing? Where were you at? So, um, on September 7th, 2018, you tweeted recently, I've seen the below artists perform live Mac Miller, Avicii, Tom Petty, and Prince. This is fine. Nothing to be concerned about. Did you kill these people,
0: JR? Yeah. So I've been having this, it's been kind of a running joke on Twitter, but there is some (laughs) realness to it. The Mac Miller one was, uh, no, no, Avicii was first. I saw Avicii in, um abiza at Ushuaia uh day club a little known artist named Kaido opened for him at the time and i think within six months he was oh dead fucking God. <laughs> phone
1: yeah that was a fucking landline phone i don't know why in god's name <laughs> we still have it uh, my That's parents wild. are old i'm we're in the studio as you can tell my parents yep. basement um yeah yep. I, I, I like if it happens again i'm i'm ripping it out of the wall and throwing it especially so funny yo what was avicii like live because me and my buddies listen it's so funny that you say that because uh, my high school friend group are running joke is we always we're you know we drink too much we say rip avicii we all (laughs) genuinely do love avicii and mac miller and we say rip avicii back up but we do i genuinely love avicii what was he like live bro because that's insane so
0: it, there's a bad story to this too. So I met my wife who we've been married for four years and we've been together for 10 years. I met my wife at a Vedas nightclub while Avicii was DJing. And she's like an LA girl, like grew up in Orange County, went to college in LA and she just like drove out to Vedas for the night with her girlfriends. And I was there for like a three day college NFL football, just bender with two of my boys and the last night we were there one of my buddies was like dude we should go to a nightclub and i was like we're not nightclub people teddy no. and and he was like yeah but like it's across the street and Avicii's dj and i was like all right Avicii's pretty cool let's go and honestly best uh trip to a nightclub i've ever had is like i you know i went over i paid 50 bucks waited in line like a schnook and then I did to the bar and there's fucking 250 people in line at the bar. And I'm like, I'm just going to chill back here while my much taller friend, Greg goes and gets drinks. He kind of pushes his way in. And as I'm standing there, I did a tap on my shoulder and this hot blonde chick is like, hey, is there anyone I can cut in front of you? I'll get my, my girlfriends and I some drinks. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Fast forward, we've been married now for four years. So that Avicii's music and live performances hold a special place in my heart. And then we went, her and I went for our like two or three year dating anniversary we were in spain and he was in ibiza so we made the trip over there it's dope obviously like r.i.p to one of the real ones but back in when i was like blotting for bro bible and like doing early stand-up comedy and stuff like he was it man he was the early edm you know i just swedish house mafia was a little bit before him but he's uh, that guy I miss, him. I miss him dude i still work out run to his music have a little playlist like it, it was it was a fucking tragedy so anyways back to your original question Six months after we saw him in uh, Ibiza, he uh, committed suicide. And then about a year later, I saw Matt Miller at Coachella. And like four months after that, he OD'd. And then I went and saw Tom Petty at the Greek Theater in uh, Berkeley, which is in uh, Northern California. And it was like a rescheduled show. He'd, ha- he'd been sick for a little bit. So it was on a Monday night. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go to a concert on a Monday night. I'd just gotten back from some trip. So we ended up going. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and he ended up dying like two weeks later. And then a year, maybe six months after that, Prince did a pop up show at the old Oracle Arena. It's now called the Oakland Coliseum or the Oakland Stadium or something like that in San Francisco, where the Warriors used to play. And he did a show called Prince and His Piano. And uh, we went. It was awesome. I'd never seen Prince live, it was incredible and he died the next day and i was like okay this is not a coincidence anymore. that's I'm sketchy bro killing i'm killing everyone i'm seeing this is i gotta stop if you like any if there's a band that you love make sure i don't see them because they will most likely die afterwards so pretty fucked up
1: bro i i'm just number one i'm super jealous of uh of your vici because uh his whole all of his albums the days the nights true um yep. you know levels obviously forever and always um I could be the one oh my god there's so fade into darkness there's yep. so many I could like this could just be a <laughs> Vici spew the whole podcast but Dude, I, there's an
0: Avici video game have you seen it really it's called Invector, and it's just like uh it's just like guitar hero we're like you're just you're mashing buttons along with the music but instead of you know musical notes it's like a spaceship flying through these like crazy worlds dude i'm telling you like i don't know what i can talk about on here but like dude anything and everything rip a fat one and play that fucking video game i did that for like a good three months in the pandemic it was it was fun because it was like not only his music but like your in this world that his music is like inhabiting and shit. it, it was pretty cool
1: hey he was just unbelievable mm-hmm. um it, and again rest in peace to a real yeah. one so yeah, sorry
0: for killing you Avicii. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the actually the i mean I'm a young buck, so I didn't get to fully appreciate. It, but I feel like every young man in their early twenties, late teens, get, starts digging a little more EDM music. Um, it, it's I, I, it's like our parents rock and roll. Our parents had uh, Led Zeppelin and stuff, and we have a uh, we have a uh, sudden
0: death and um, all those guys. Yeah, so let me ask you something. Janet, oh, go don't for let me it, not it, turn JR. to the interviewer. But like no, you're please. 20 and you're a huge Entourage fan, that doesn't track to me. Why not? Because, dude, Entourage was oh four to two thousand eleven. I guess in two thousand eleven, you were nine, nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. So what? So how? So you must have come to the show later on after it had already completely aired. Did you see the movie first, something like that?
1: So here's I. I am a you know, as you can tell, huge Entourage fan. My uh, my handle on Twitter has been Johnny Drama for probably (laughs) around like a year or two now. Um, I I actually when I when um. My high school football team lost in at the at the state championship, there was this uh, high school kid um, like reporting on it. And I was a little overserved at the bar and I was drunk tweeting at him, making fun of him because he was ugly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had a bunch of kids from that high school uh, in my DM saying like, oh, you're a grown ass man making fun of this kid. And because my profile picture was Johnny drama, they actually thought I was like a a late thirties, 40 year old man making fun of high schoolers. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, But so I got into, I I guess, you know, you get, I got HBO max and I just, I, all my friends from high school and stuff, they're like entourage is the best. And I knew I was going to like it just from what they had described to me. And I started watching and watched it uh, I think in 2020 at some point. and uh, just, I,
0: for the first time, you watch it in 2020, two years yeah, ago. Yeah. Isn't that Damn. wild? Yeah. That is super I
1: wild. I, uh, but I, I loved, I loved every second of it. It was so <laughs> funny. I think just, you know, and Mark Wahlberg's a Boston guy, and I, I, I actually, you know, where I go to school or where I went to school, there was a lot of New York guys, and I just, it, 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 it's universal. You all have people in your friend group that are like this, and it's, you know, Doug Allen talks about it all the time. It's just, it's just a bro show, really. And it's just, yep. you all have guys in your crew that are like that. So it, it I think. The the universal thread of Entourage is just guys being dudes, what everybody can appreciate.
0: Yeah, every week on my podcast, which is about Entourage, as you know, it's uh, we have a category called Bros Being Bros, and we go, what's your favorite <laughs> Bros Being Bros moment this week? And that can kind of mean whatever the guest wants it to be. It can be like a moment of authentic male friendship, or it could be a moment of like a guy being a bro, or it could be a bro-y douchebag moment, Yeah, you know, just I, dependent. I,
1: I love the uh, the segments on your show. The 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 one I listened to, I think I listened to your your most recently one about um uh smoke jumpers and it was um the most entourage moment of the episode and you said your most entourage moment was um the boys running around the office chasing after that old ass director to uh, do yeah. host. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. it's that's just Classic Entourage, but Jared, that that brings to a great point. I'm a I'm a fan sure. of your podcast. So you do great work, obviously, all around. Thanks, um, so what uh, inspired you to take the uh, the risk and the um the risk and the stunning and brave idea of white dudes talking about the uh, hit <laughs> HBO show Entourage?
0: <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, dude, it's uh, let me think, 2018. I had just gotten married in August and my wife was on a work trip to New York for like a week. We both, at the time we both worked in tech. So we'd always travel and I was just like home solo five nights. I'm like, I want to re rip an entourage rewatch. Right. And I was like on the couch probably halfway through season one. And I was like, why isn't there like more conversation about this show? Why don't people still talk about it? It was such a prescient, like, When the Entourage movie came out, it was like one of the biggest things in the world. Now, people didn't really like the Entourage movie, but in the rollout of that movie, the show was celebrated and talked about. And that was only four years prior to uh, me having this thought. And I was looking and there were no Entourage podcasts and there were no, weren't even any like Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts dedicated to Entourage, maybe one or two. And I'd had a bunch of podcasting experience. And I thought to myself, what if I just rewatched it and talked about each episode with like my friends and initially it was just going to be like me and my friends and it was going to be some comedians i knew in the bay area some comedians i knew bad from chicago some writing friends i'd made but it never had any big aspirations it was always just like let me see if i can do this and then the first guest i had on i didn't know him well at the time but he's become a close friend his name's brandon wenard and he founded BroBible.com, which is a website i wrote for when I was a little older than you, when I was like 23, 24, and we had stayed in touch, but like as internet friends, not as real friends. And I just sent him a DM being like, Hey man, I'm thinking about starting this pod, about Entourage. You guys have blogged about Entourage a bunch. Is there any way you'd want to hop on and just talk about the Entourage pilot with me? And we uh, had a great episode. People really liked it. It was a good response. I started having more people on. Again though, just like small time people. And about halfway through season one, Brandon got out back to me and was like, Hey man, we want to buy your podcast and give it the full bro Bible support. And it'll be like a bro Bible entity and we'll use all of our power to help you get better and better guests. So by season two, I was suddenly having these like a list comedians on like these dudes who have like comedy central specials and HBO specials and dudes who were working in Hollywood. And I'd to be part of like um, PR circuits where like if a guy was coming through and promoting something, I'd get like five or ten minutes and just talk to them about Entourage as well as whatever it was they were promoting. Usually that didn't work really well, but regardless, it just suddenly put a shit ton of eyeballs and more importantly ears on the podcast. So, 2018, 2019 was just like it was pre- primarily 2019 into 2020. I, I was just fucking consumed by the show. I'd watch it all week, take a million notes, try to find interesting angles, schedule deaths. I did the whole thing. I you know I ran the social media. I the editing the producing all while having a full-time job at the same time and you know being married which is a whole nother thing too so it dude it it kind of burnt me out on the show like i loved it but i uh, you know i was like man this is like a little too much like when i started this it was supposed to be something fun and now it is a job and it in, in that way it kind of made me sour on the show i didn't hate the show i just was kind of like man this is i took something i loved and i've now made it something that i'm required to do every week and i don't love that so long story short, when the pandemic hit in March, 2020, that was roughly when my contract was up with bro Bible. So I just stopped. I was like, listen, a bunch of people right now are starting podcasts. I've been doing this for a year and a half. The entourage guys, Doug, Kevin and Kevin were starting their own entourage podcast. I was like, have at it. You guys finish it out. You know, anyone who's listening to this pod, go listen to that. And I stopped and that was two years ago. And, um, last two years i've been just like doing other shit like some writing and i started some tiktok accounts and bullshit but not a week has gone by where someone hasn't asked me to bring oh yeah oh yeah the entourage podcast back and i've kind of resisted it for the last year but i was in europe three months ago on a trip and like a couple of dudes who were apparently listeners like reached out and were like dude i'd love to buy you a pint this is so cool that you're here. I still miss the podcast. And I was like, this is crazy. This is like, people listen to this all over the world. What am I doing? Why, why am I not finishing this thing out? What is wrong with you, JR? And so I just like, uh, mid July. So exactly two months ago, just like pit it back up. And, um, yeah, we just finished season five and I'm recording season six right now. And there are eight seasons total. So we're about, 25 30 episodes away from being done with the whole run so yeah that's the story and uh it's it's back to feeling a little bit like the job but i'm having more fun with it because i'm just kind of doing it on my own terms as opposed to uh someone else's if that makes sense
1: do you miss that uh that corporate structure more that that support that Bro Bible was giving you or are you happier just doing it independent solo like you have been? And by the way, you do crush it. The editing is fantastic editing the clips from the show like everything it was it just made the listening so much easier, so much better.
0: Thank you. And I did that on purpose because I knew like people have seen these episodes but they're not going to go back and rewatch the episode and then listen to my pod. So that was a big Creative decision that people like all love. It makes it, as you can imagine, you know, you edit podcasts, dude. It makes it so much longer. Like editing an episode takes three to five hours. It's so
1: annoying. It's so annoying.
0: But then that's what people don't understand is like they think you just hop on a microphone and talk, and then that's it. But with with my show, like as you know, it's heavily produced. So there's a lot of music, a lot of you know clips, a lot of sound effects, a lot of different segments. So it's definitely. Uh, an undertaking but it makes i think for a more uh, well-rounded quality like listening experience so yeah dude i don't to answer your question like i you know it's probably 50 50 like i definitely miss you know using the bro bible channels to help get desks and you know get more eyeballs and listeners on the pod there are not as many listeners in this second iteration as there were three years ago but also podcasting entertainment and everything has changed like i said there is another entourage podcast a lot of my listeners probably went there but it's fine there's still like a core group of like a couple hundred couple thousand people who still listen every week and they're all over the world i got a message from a guy from serbia like three weeks ago just being like thank you so much for bringing this back this like helps me at my dead-end job like i fucking hate it but like your podcast gets me through every monday and i was like dude to have that impact on somebody and to just like not want to do it because of reasons i'm like i, I should do this I, I owe it to these guys that guy other people yourself so i'm doing my best man it's a it's a lot of work but i'm still having fun with it
1: do you so do you, that's interesting you bring up the uh the action the the new iteration the the victory <laughs> the podcast i uh I, i've been on red i'm sure you, i i saw this is how we actually. I actually DM'd you yep. from R slash uh, Entourage. I've clowned victory over and over again <laughs> on R slash Entourage. I even there's a post on there if you search. It's R uh, like it's victory the clown show because it's oh my god it's I, I like. If The difference between your podcast and theirs was astronomical with, I think, the segments and not just hearing, like, I wanted to, I wanted, I, at some point I'll do a post, is Doug Allen Bingo, and it's, you know, one square is, you know, regrets writing things, and then the next square is could never work entourage in 2022, like, it's the yeah. same thing over and over, oh my god, and, um, But how do you, do you feel like they stole your thunder a little bit? Are you, you know, happy with it? Or or are you just like, just stoked that people are appreciating the show still all, you know, coming up on 19 years later?
0: Seriously. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think they stole shit from me. Like, it's not exactly reinventing the wheel to be like, let's take an old TV show and rewatch it. White people talking about Entourage. Yeah. I have, though, talked to Doug quite a bit. We've DM'd and... This was early on in the podcast runs and he played pretty coy with me. He was like, Oh, I don't understand. What is a podcast? How does this work? And then all of a sudden victory came out. And I was like, ah, got it. But like <laughs> Doug. But it's Doug, his thing, bro. man. He invent he he's the showrunner. He's the creator. He wrote most of the stuff we're talking about. He's allowed to do whatever he wants with it. So there's definitely no like bad blood. I don't have any beef. I don't listen to Victory because I, for God's sakes, so I just Consume way too much entourage stuff in my own time. I don't need another entourage podcast to listen to, but I've heard I've heard mixed reviews about Victory. Some people love it. Some people are some people are more fans of the actors than they are the show, and some people are more fans of the show than they are the actors. And I think it's that latter group that my podcast, oh yeah, oh yeah, is for. Um, is people who just love the show. Like I don't really give a shit about what's going on in any of their personal lives. I just I like the characters. I like I like my favorite lines from. Johnny drama and I like I like pointless arguments about things that don't aren't really important like is Vincent Chase a good actor or <laughs> if this episode were to happen today like what would be different like that's fun that that makes for fun you know podcasting slash radio it's not really radio but uh, it, so yeah it, yeah I, I, great, I dig man. that I a lot say, like so great I, I always say like if someone doesn't like my podcast that's fine guess what there's a whole nother one you can listen to like and if you don't like either of them then maybe you're just a hater because yeah dude it's 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 a lot
1: <laughs> no i I dig that a lot, and I think what you just said is spot on. if you like the actual actors, go listen to the victory if you just want to talk show and the the goings on of the show and you don't really care about the behind the scenes stuff, like your show is perfect. and that's what I think that's what I miss so much about um i that's the the early victory of the podcast. They did you know an episode a week and when i was I, I landscape and so when my boss is doing machine work i listen to podcasts yeah. so i was watching entourage i was like oh this is sweet i get to listen to this and then i get to go home and watch all these episodes but then they just started doing like i don't I, respectfully i don't give a shit about kevin conley or doug ellen's struggles in life i don't think Doug Allen is the biggest like neurotic anal person I've ever heard of. It's insane the stuff he talks about and like <laughs> I uh Dylan is my exception. Shout out Kevin Dylan, goat, love him. He's the best. I wish him all the best in his life, but um you know, I I like it is what it is. I'll still listen, but I'm yeah. not entirely happy with it um did you have any uh podcast inspirations like or radio inspirations because i feel like uh there's certain you know i'm a little too young for the uh for a lot of the the early radio days but i know there was a ton of uh radio stuff and not necessarily too young because a lot of i think what my for example my earliest would be um they they did sketch comedy on um 105.7 W-R-O-R. They did Men from Maine. And it always ended with a funny punchline. Um, I'd listened to it in the car with my dad from middle school. Did you have anything like that? That was a big inspiration for you?
0: Not growing up, not when I was like your age, but my first job out of college, I'm from Chicago originally, and I went to school in Chicago. My first job out of college was at a top 40 radio station called B96, 96.3. It was like pop music. It was fucking garbage, but I was- in the I saw I saw your what? tweet about that your uh, oh, you t- your digital footprint.
1: It was um <laughs> someone. Hold on, I'll find it. I saw the tweet.
0: I mean, I, I've just
1: tweeted a lot in the last ten years, so yeah, I don't know no. What the tweet you're referring to <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm the, I'm in that same boat. But um, you quote tweeted uh this tweet right here, and you said uh it was a tweet saying um. They don't make music. There will never be another time like this. And it was the uh, top 15 chart. And it was uh, Love the Way You Lie, California Girls, Dynamite, Airplanes. I like it. Cooler Than Me, Teenage Dream. And I saw you quote tweeted and was like, I worked at a top 40 radio station, pop music. I had to listen to this shit every day, eight hours a day, seven days a week. I was fucking (laughs) brutal.
0: They just play it. They just play it throughout the office. So like you'd be trying to work and you would just hear like... I throw my hands up in the air sometimes. Like, Dude, what? This is bullshit. Like, I get it. We're a radio station. We have to make sure we hear. But, like, there should be a producer with his headphones on listening to it, not a whole office full of people. Anyways, I was able to, through that job, What? I was a late-night promoter, so I would go to a fucking bar or something and just be like, oh, we're at so-and-so on Clark Street. We're giving out tickets to this concert. Come. I used to like be able to hop on the radio late at night and, like, talk. Just for minutes, not even minutes, seconds, and so that kind of, I guess, started my bud. And then living in Chicago, kind of, you have to kind of walk everywhere, especially in the summer. I would listen to like the very early iterations of like very famous podcasters. Now, like Bill Burr, was doing his Monday morning podcast, and he used to release it on iTunes, and you you used to have to download it onto your iPod in order to listen to it. So it was like this whole process to even get to the content bill simmons's early version of his espn podcast and all these guys are like the titans of podcasting now but i'm talking back in like 2011 so at 11 years ago i'm talking you know i had my ipod classic and my you know my earbuds that came down in a cord and so it was it was harder to get to those but you know it was one of those things where if you listen to podcasts you were part of a select few group of people and today everyone listens to a hundred different podcasts and it's completely oversaturated and there are way too many podcasts and way too many podcasters. So that's one of the problems. It's why everyone's listens are down. And, you know, I think, I think we should
1: start executing podcasters that have under like 10 listeners an episode. I think they should just be lined up and shot.
0: Dude. That's why I asked you. That's why I asked you when you asked me to hop on. I said, send me your podcast. And when I looked and I saw you done like 30 episodes, I was like, all right, this dude's at least put in like six months on this. Cause if you had like three episodes and we're just starting this thing up and I'd be all right, you're, you're, you're a hobbyist. You're just kind of doing this for shits and diddles. Call me in a year and see how it's been in a year. Cause it's, as you know, it's a lot of fucking work. So yeah.
1: It, you know, I'm it's champagne problems like, oh, you know, people don't want to come on my podcast, but I, uh you know, it's fun. I like doing it. And I I just picked up a minor in journalism at school. So there you go it's just something I enjoy. Now you, you talk about Chicago. And so you did radio and you you did stand up. You talk about stand up. Yeah. How influential is the city of Chicago on that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Chicago's got a lot of funny people that come from it, as you know, when you look at hollywood and sketch comedy and stuff but in terms of stand-ups like there it isn't a huge stand-up scene and so that was always interesting was like i was kind of going against the grain because chicago is a sketch slash improv city with second city right Mm -hmm. there and improv olympics and one of my closest friends and his wife were both second city improv olympic people and uh stand-up is much more of a solo act it's selfish it's you versus the audience it isn't like a team game and so like you know just started open micing when I was twenty two and always had this idea that I could do it and uh did it for four years in Chicago and then I moved to the west coast of San Francisco and did it for about four years there as well. Really the only thing that stopped it was stopped me from doing stand up was I got so busy with the Entourage podcast and then the pandemic. Like nobody was doing stand up for an entire year. And now that it's back, I'm kind of like, eh, I could take your leave but I did eight years did some pretty cool shows, performed some cool people, won some comedy competition. I kind of like proved to myself that I could do it. But no, my aspiration was never like, oh, I'm going to be a, you know, a professional stand-up comedian or, you know, get a Comedy Central special or something like that. Do you miss it at all? I miss um. I don't miss the lifestyle. Uh, being a comic is extraordinarily time-consuming and it's tough for a marriage because like all the shows start at like nine ten o'clock and they're far away and you if you're doing multiple shows a night you're just you're a kind of a zombie and, and comedians as a people while i like their company i wouldn't say that like they're the best people on the planet so being around them constantly you're kind of like okay i, I got it i was like the only i was the only like comic in the bay area who also had a job and a wife and it so it felt a little I felt a little estranged from that whole scene, um, but the, I do miss the process of like conceptualizing a joke, writing it, tightening it, honing it, practicing it. The light bulb moment when it starts to work, and then like, ma- you know, making it bigger than than it originally was. But that I can kind of do in different ways. Now you can kind of do that with Twitter and TikTok and even fucking podcasting. If, if I think of something funny to say, and just say it, you know.
1: Right. Was. When you say they're not the best people, what do you mean? I'm, I'm a, I have a very sheltered existence. Sure, Um,
0: And that's, it's all good. It's just basically like somebody who needs to go on stage and win the approval of strangers night in and night out. There's something fundamentally a little different about that person. So when you like look at that in a macro sense, it can also lead to like there's a lot wrong with some of these people. A lot of I mean, i've I have great comedian friends who are good and you know, decent people, but I also, you know, this is kind of fucked up. but like I like one time went to a show like three hours away in, in an air in a place called San Luis Obispo. It's a three hour drive from San Francisco. and I went, and the dude who set it up was in in my car with me and we went. And we we drove all the way down there. and we had a couple other comics in the car. and we stopped for dinner on the way home. It was at a very like, California comedian evening. We got home at three o'clock in the morning. That dude went to jail for like assaulting female comics like a, six months later. And I had no idea. And I was like, ah, now granted, like, dude, anyone could be a stumbad asshole and do bad things. But this was a guy that like, I knew really well and talked to on a regular basis and had no idea. And it just made me rethink the whole like industry in a way. And like, I don't know, that's not because I'm better than anybody. I just had had, a, had my own personal experience. And in my mind, it's like behind me. So I'm just moving forward.
1: Gotcha. Do you miss uh, Chicago at all now that you're out West Coast, big
0: Hollywood guy? Hollywood. No, not Hollywood. Just one thing. Like, just <laughs> like to make one thing clear, I'm I'm nowhere close to Hollywood. Uh, yeah, I miss the people. Uh, and I miss like, you know, Chicago in the summertime, which if you've ever been is incredible. But every time I go home now, I go home three, four times a year. All my siblings are there uh it's just it's gray it's cold it's wet it's corrupt it's f- the real estate the taxes they're all fucked up granted california has its own set of problems but yeah i was gonna say yeah yeah. yeah. Not, what not, is not, that not, saying not, about... not to say that like <laughs> not to say that California's better but like guess what it's pretty nice here 10 months out of the year so like i, I will take that over chicago and all of its problems and being shitty for nine months out of the year so you, and also, my wife's from here, and like you know, we have our own little world here. I've almost been here for ten years now, so I'm starting to feel like a like a Californian. Definitely, and nobody, nobody's actually from
1: California. Is the Correct. theory I've sur- surmised? Everybody's just from everybody where, anywhere, everywhere else. Uh, is there anything that you particularly really enjoy about uh, being in that uh, San Fran, Oakland area? I, I actually don't know. Is it San Francisco, Oakland, or is it where you at?
0: So I'm not actually up there anymore. I moved uh during the pandemic. I moved down to Southern California, but I'm not in LA. I'm out I'm two hours outside of LA. I'm in Palm Springs. Palm Springs is a very okay. resorty retirement area. It's in the desert, right off the Mojave Desert. It's right near Joshua Tree, which is uh important for Entourage fans. And um so yeah, dude, I it's it's super hot here all the time and I like hot weather. I just basically walk around and fucking you know lululemon shorts and a tank top all day and like i have a pool and i just i looked out at the mountains every night and i can drive to la for a show or a concert whenever i want we literally just went to lady dada dodgers stadium this weekend my wife and i and it was like you know two hours there hour and a half back it wasn't too bad like it, it was t- kind of living that like la sceny uh lifestyle without having to pay the price and uh be be a part of that city so it's cool i love it dude it's it's great every every time anyone asks me How i like california the best decision ever made so
1: that's awesome have you uh have you found uh any of the differences between like norcal central uh, south california like have you found any of these stereotypes true what are the differences if they exist what's what is the scene over there just in terms
0: of what like nightlife or people people like everything stereotypes anything pretty it's a pretty well-known like stereotype that like Southern California people are a little fake, a little, you know, insincere, a little more selfish. And the people up in Northern California, while it's a bunch of tech, uh, you know, main, uh ed- and they all have their own set of issues. It's a little bit more, you know, all natural granola. People up there love to hike. They love to go to wineries and stuff like that. But in general, like you said, it's just, it's just a whole state of transplant. So like you find your people, you find your people that are your speed and, you know, you learn some lessons along the way. <laughs> uh that's important man what lessons have you learned along the way just in general in life just like life lessons
1: yeah, anything, man. I mean, yeah. it just, it really sounds like you've led a fascinating life from Chicago doing some writing and then eventually moving out to LA, meeting your girlfriend and wife, known her for 10 years. Like, it's a lot to learn for a young stallion like myself.
0: Yeah, man. And I and I, and I keep forgetting you're so much younger. You're doing a great job and you're you're keeping up with me and you're doing a, <laughs> a, a, a very, very decent job at hosting this. So apologies. I didn't mean to be like, what, what life lessons? I, I, in general, the thing that I've learned is like, especially if you want to do something creative like this, like a podcast, or if you've ever had an inkling to just whatever, write, do up, make videos, just be a character, whatever. You have never had more of an opportunity to do that than right now. It costs you nothing to buy a camera or a microphone or editing software. And you can take your shit and you can put it out in the world and see what people like. You can make your shit and just keep it for yourself. So whatever I say to anybody, whenever anyone says to me, Oh, you have a podcast? I I should have a podcast. I think I'd be a great podcast. Or, oh, you did stand-up comedy. I I think I'd be great. Stand up comedy. I go do it. Do it. Do it. And not put your money where your mouth is, but just try it. Like try everything. Before this entourage podcast, I had three other podcasts that all failed. And the only reason this one worked was is it's just an idea that I hit on that like everyone likes. It's not people don't tune in to listen to J.R. Hickey. They tune in to listen to someone they trust talk about a show they love. And that's cool. And But I never would have in a million years thought that this is the thing that people would like know me for, want to talk to me about. And and I have a couple of things like that. I've run a couple social media accounts and like, I'm just like, weird. Those are the things that hit. And all these other things over here that I thought would hit didn't. And that's the way of the world. And that's the way of the internet, uh, especially. So it's yeah, always the ones advice. you don't expect, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's always, it's like, you just have to keep pressing and you have to have a certain type of like a bone in your body to do that. Cause rejection sucks, failure hurts. But if you're just, if you can let that kind of roll off your shoulders and try it again, like it's a big world out there. And there's a lot of people who are, you know, looking for things to consume. And if you want to make something for them, go right ahead and see how, see how it does.
1: And that's a, that's a really incredible viewpoint that I, I feel like has a lot of merit and value. Um, but you do bring up a really cool point. Why do you think that uh, Entourage itself just puts asses in seats like it does? <laughs> because it's like there, there's really uh, like for uh, for what it is, pound for pound, you know, a half hour semi drama, mostly comedy where it's just four dudes just talking about stuff in this hyper fictionalized Hollywood. Why? Like how? Why does it? Why does it have the most dedicated fans? Why does it, you know, why do people just love it and quote it? And why can I send my buddy a clip of Johnny Drama saying, um, oh, well, 14, that's like 30 in celeb years. Oh, what does that make you, Drama? 140? Ah, so you're admitting I'm a celebrity. Like, why? when I send that to people, like, it just, why do you think Entourage puts ass in seats like it does?
0: I mean, I think you kind of said it, which is that, like, guys of a certain demographic generation which was like you know 15 to 34 year olds were looking for a show or didn't even they weren't even looking they just hadn't found a show yet that really encapsulated what it was like to be in a group of guys like in friends and we suddenly see this show where they're walking and talking and just nonstop stop cutting each other making fun of each other but at the end of the day knowing that it's all love and like they, they'll have their backs you know through thick and thin through drug problems and through rejections and through bad business decisions and through. And so, so seeing that on screen elevated in such a way, like what if it was me and my boys, but we were put in the most ludicrous situation possible. One of my friends was a movie star and we had to navigate Hollywood and uh, show business together. And while kind of maintaining our core principles and our values and our loyalty to each other, it it makes for it makes for very entertaining television and it makes for something where everyone i don't know if women really but like every every male (laughs) puts themselves in one of those character shoes and goes i'm an e uh, i'm a drama i'm more of a turtle i'm the laid-back guy and and and, uh it just spoke to like a whole generation of people and uh it's sad because it's not you know as you know and i'm sure doug talks about it all the time on victory just doesn't age well in some ways and doesn't really stand the test of time or the Litmus test and uh, but it's still worth revisiting because, like, on a moment by moment basis, it's still got some gold to it, and that's the point gold. of what I do, yeah. Yeah, no I think Doug is <laughs> nice. So, you know,
1: like you said, I think Doug is way too much of a pussy about it, honestly. It's so ridiculous, and that's being harsh on Doug, but you know, somebody's got to be somebody's got to step up to him, just be like, Hey, you freaking neurotic, motherfucker. like, <laughs> listen. People, like, he thinks that that the world's going to collapse because he used a, um, what is it, an ableist slur? He said the R word where drama's calling somebody that or, like, turtle. Like, Doug, like, you wrote it almost 20 years ago at this point. Nobody cares. I'm sure if you wrote it today and it's these characters, it would be inauthentic if you didn't write it that way. That's just how dudes talk, especially in that time from New York, Northeast. Like, that's just how guys talk. Uh, the other thing is, and, and that's a whole can of worms that really pisses me off, but the the other thing is you bring up women. Now, the surprising thing is I, I've i talked to girls that like Entourage or that started watching it, and I actually had a funny story about that. So I, uh, I'm i a big Friday beers fan. I'm sure you, you're oh, you yeah. active in the social media space, and they sure. make T-shirts with the Entourage guys on them. So yep. I, they're two things I love, and I bought the shirt. And I was wearing it out one night and this girl says, oh, you're an Entourage fan? I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I love Entourage. We started talking about it. And then she goes, you know who I hate? Johnny Drama. Oh. I know. And I said, (laughs) no, I said, I said, how do you hate Johnny Drama? Johnny Drama is the second best character in the show. One A and one B with Ari. And she said, oh, he's just so annoying and insecure and blah, blah, blah. He's so bad and whiny. And I'm like, you know. Sweetheart, that's what makes Johnny Drama the funniest character in the show. Is that he's so insecure and he can't even get out of his own way. And so to prove this to her, I uh, I said, "Here, follow me." And I um I walked around and I, I you know I saw a guy. We were walking and a guy said, "Hey, nice shirt." I'm like, "Hey, let me ask you, bro." Who is your uh, favorite characters in the show? And he says Johnny Drama, and I just looked at her with this fucking shit eating grin. I was like, <laughs> you know, Johnny
0: Drama is the best, and you just yeah. got to embrace that. I'm sure it didn't change her mind one bit. But <laughs> no, I'm you not, did, not a very you convincing. Did, guy. You did a nice social experiment that that proved you're
1: right, which is good. Uh, Absolutely, Johnny. I mean, because we all know Johnny drama. Like uh, more, you know, we all know people like that get laid a lot, or that have talents, or that just sit around and smoke weed. But more than anything, we all have the drama friend that just is so insecure and just like constantly trying to battle his masculinity that it just it creates comedy.
0: Well, you got to think that Doug and, you know, the writing staff, Ali Musica and all them, like they have seen a million dramas come and go. And that's, got that's where that it's like it's a combination of all those little funny insecurities, personality quirks into one perfect character. It's always I've always said it's a shame that he never won an Emmy. He was always in the same category oh, as Piven. And, you know, Piven won three. It's like give one of those to drama. You give know one me? to like, drama. Yeah, he deserves it. But he, and, he, he wins all out at the end of uh, the movie. So, yeah he won the he won the golden globe
1: yep yeah he uh i do you oh man this is tough where what about johnny drama does everybody love because i love him and i think he's the best and we all know him but there's just oh no. My real question was I've I think we should pitch to Mark Wahlberg. You know, besides the reboot, I think there should be a reboot, but it should be that they uh they start a podcast and it's a group of podcasters and their entourage. <laughs>
0: like fa- like one of them is a famous podcaster and one of them runs a famous a...
1: podcast or there's two two co-hosts and it's just their boys and okay. uh one episode's like they they lose their voice and they have to solve that and then what, what are think? the next what are the next 90 episodes though josh um <laughs> there there's zoom crashes
0: oh well, um, that's all right there's two Keep there's going. rolling
1: there's rolling blackouts with the zoom yeah. all right uh, now we're already we're ripping off entourage <laughs> already <laughs>
0: would you like to see a reboot at some point no not at all really yeah I think uh I think uh name one reboot that's uh, beloved name one that like people are like, oh, I really like this um I cannot I cannot yeah, name one reboot like, that's beloved en- enjoy the thing enjoy the thing for what it was and like let it lie I, I see so many people in the entourage subreddit the Entourage Facebook group, most specifically, it's just people just like betting for a reboot. And you know, I'm sure if HBO backed the Brinks truck up and gave each of these dudes ten million dollars, they'd do it. But uh, I don't think they're focused on that right now. I think they're focused on making uh shows about dragons that hit five hundred million viewers over the course of, over the globe. You know, uh, it's just it's just not a reality anymore. So I think it's funny when people are like, "Reboot, reboot. What do you think, Reboot's like, guys there are 96 episodes of the show and a movie that's about the length of four episodes that's a hundred plus hours of this content you want more just because you're greedy and selfish like it just just enjoy it for what it was man or woman or whoever's complaining to me in this hypothetical i just that's it so yeah i'm, I'm team no reboot and i don't know if that makes me an enemy of anybody but maybe i'm just too close to it <laughs> definitely uh what did you think of the movie because i i
1: hadn't watched it and then i i i liked it a lot but it was just like it was kind of strange to see it um yeah you know in a movie form but i i did like it didn't do so hot in the box office though unfortunately yeah
0: yeah no i mean it, it was like four entourage episodes rolled together it was a little annoying that they basically like reset every single character's story arc from the end of the show but you had to for a movie in case someone saw it as a standalone but like Ari ends the show promising his wife he'll never go back to work. And then in the movie he's working for Vinny again, <laughs> working for the, the the movie studio. And as you know, Vinny ends the show married or engaged, and then we start the movie and he's broken off or divorced or whatever it is. And that's it's funny, but it's all and it's just kinda like, okay, we're just starting from zero, I guess. So um yeah, I, I didn't have any personal problems with it. I actually really enjoyed the movie and, and saw it in movie theaters and and looking forward to in probably a year's time doing like a massive oh yeah, oh yeah episode where we just break down the movie. I'll do like a round table with like 10 guests and we'll just talk about it in, in, a, in some sort of fun way. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd definitely check that out. <laughs> so when you
1: were getting your start, did you start at the radio station or were you always more of a writer? What uh, what spawned this whole uh, creative uh, empire from the, uh, the J.R. Hickey, Inc.?
0: That's a good question. Sorry for yawning. It's been a long day. I, uh, I was uh, so my career at the time I was a salesperson. A lot of people when they don't know what to do go into sales, and I was like selling television ad space. I used to work at FX as an assistant, and uh, that kind of got me interested in television. And then I moved to the Bay Area and started working for some tech companies as a salesperson. And I always had this side to me that was super creative and I had all these things that I was doing that I was super, that was super creative. Like the where, stand up, the podcasting, the social media. Go ahead. Where do you think you, uh,
1: where did you really discover that, uh, that creative side of you? Where do you think that comes from? How did you uh, discover that?
0: I mean, I think I always had it just, you know, from a little kid playing with my Star Wars figures, making little movies with them, with my old VHS camcorder. And like, I always could, I was, he just, I was he terrible... just like me for real. He just yeah, like me that's for awesome. real you probably didn't have a vhs camcorder
1: though oh you know what's wild is that my parents are so fucking old that in 2008 (laughs) uh i wasn't allowed to stay up to watch the uh the the cartoon the star wars the clone wars i wasn't allowed to stay up late to watch it on friday nights so we'd vhs record it and on saturday mornings i could watch it so you are
0: familiar i don't know a lot of 20 year olds who are familiar with VHSs. that's great i'm
1: i'm an old soul i'm a i'm not even jewish and i'm a young old jew in this body it's wild
0: that's funny uh, yeah no it's always been there I, I've always been a really good writer and so like I, I failed every class in high school and college except for the English writing and public speaking has always come really easy to me so like just as time went on just like started just like finding the things I was good at and I turned it all into a career somehow and now I uh I'm a creative director and I make like TV commercials and I work with a bunch of creative talented people and I get to talk with entourage on the side and so it's cool. I'm I'm a very, I'm very like uh happy if for lack of a better word, but I'm happy with my life and happy where my creativity is taken to me, but I'm always trying to go higher and get more and do more. And so I think that's good. I think that's important for any creative person. Don't ever rest on your laurels and say, all right, I'm good. I'm done. You know what I mean? Cause everything can be better. If, if that made sense.
1: What's next for you, JR, what are you working on? So you got like 30 more episodes ish yeah. of the podcast and then yeah
0: what's next for uh the jr hickey i don't know man it's 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 a good question but it's always kind of the question i, I have a tiktok account called that's a nice touch where i go around and i and I, I identify nice touches like if you're checking into a hotel and like you get into the room and like the towels are folded into like a swan and there's like a piece of chocolate on the bed i'm like damn that's a nice touch so now i on tiktok go around and just like identify them and show them to people and like people really like the account. So I don't know if you're on TikTok, check it out. It's kind of ton and cheap, but I kind of act like a cheese dick in it on purpose because that's how TikTok works. Like people either watch you because they hate you or they watch you because they love you. And so like, I think people both with me, so maybe I'd love it to get that thing to a point where like, you know, companies are paying me to go show off their nice touches, you know, that's send a me nice touch. Or- that's yeah, such exactly. a great concept, bro. Thank you. It's sticky. That's what it is. I like to say it's a sticky tons. Like you say it, you want to say it more and more. You want to keep repeating it because it's so like kind of catchy. And um, so, yeah, you know, I'd love to get that to like 100,000 followers and then like have some hotel chain send me on a week long vacation to, you know, <laughs> post that's a nice touches all over the place. But those are, those are champagne problems. Like we said at the beginning, I'm, I'm just seeing what comes next. Seeing, seeing as, as it arrives, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, man. Do you like, what
1: is your, uh, how do you get these such great guests for the podcast? Cause that's something, obviously I, by the skin of my nuts and the hair on my teeth, I got great guests like yourself and I even got an author on, but, uh, like, even yes. though I, I don't even like read books, but, um, <laughs> uh, how do you, where, where do you start? Cause just, this is more of a personal question.
0: Oh yeah, dude. You just, you know, you gotta, it's networking. It's, it's being friendly to everybody and testing on other people's podcasts and, Asking people and asking nicely. I had Jerry Ferrara, aka Turtle, on Turtle, and i I messaged with him for I messaged with him for almost a year until he was able to come on. And like, we're we're currently in talks to have him back on for season six. And like, it's, it's hard, like especially with people with big followings or with families or people who travel a lot. You have to stay persistent without being annoying. And you also have to know when to take no for an answer. Often I've asked people, hey, we'd love to have you on podcast Entourage. When someone goes, I'm not a huge fan of Entourage. Appreciate it. And I don't do, no worries. Appreciate that. Appreciate that transparency. You know, whenever I'm in your town, that's let's grab a beer at least to, you know, and often it's after you meet people face to face and they see you as a fully realized human being, as opposed to just like some random Twitter or Reddit user that you get, more of an idea of like, oh, this is a good dude. I I can go shoot the shit with him for an hour about whatever, whether it's entourage or something else. So it's all networking and being persistent without being annoying. I wish I had better advice than that, you know. A lot of people's DMs aren't open anymore either. So like you gotta you gotta get clever. You gotta reach out to their emails and stuff like that.
1: You gotta (laughs) you can no more diving in the DMs for JR. I thought that uh did you retire that pre or post marriage?
0: Uh what do you mean? Dive diving in the DMs. Diving in the DMs. Was that was that didn't I do that as a podcast segment once? Or something? I, I don't know. Oh, I oh was, you're talking about like oh you're talking about like women. Gotcha. <laughs> shit, dude. I was yeah, actually dude. talking
1: about men, men. But wait, wait, no. I'm so
0: confused. What are you asking me?
1: I was talking, I was joking about women. I was saying. Oh you're no no. So and, so and when I, I thought remember you were is sliding. I used to host
0: I used to host a um a dating podcast for a website and we had a segment called that goes down in the dms and we had people like send us their dms and we'd like critique them and shit so i thought you were referencing that and i was like there's no way you listen to that podcast it's like five years old and no nobody fucking i did not it.
1: listen but that's freaking <laughs> sweet what did you what were the uh what were your favorites what were your favorite dms oh, how was I, that I,
0: podcast i wish i knew i wish i remembered we had some good segments i i was like I wanted to do a po- a dating podcast as I have a lot of dating stories, but I'm not dating anyone. Obviously, I'm married now. But like I wanted to do it because I wanted to like let these stories off the leash a little bit and like, you know, relate them back to me, super selfish egotistical podcaster. But we had really great segments. We had another segment called Bumble Bradding. It was people would send us their bumble profiles and we'd rate them and like give them like an A, a B, a C, whatever. So you'll learn the more you do this, Jack, that like As long as it has a cool name, the idea can suck, but like the cool name sells the idea. I've made a whole career for myself in advertising, having shitty ideas that have cool names and people buy them because they love the cool name. And that's, that's half the battle.
1: Okay. Well, let me run this by you. So I just started a a football podcast and super um, original and unique. Yes. And it's all white people. So it is even more unique. So, um, it's and it, we're all in our early twenties, um, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's called sniffing the lines. Cool name, yeah. Cause yep, it's yep. about gambling. Yep. Our fantasy pod segment is about. Um, uh, it's called my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, and we all acapella uh, "Runaway" by a uh, Kanye. Winning idea, I mean, that's funny winning yeah.
0: idea. Yeah, so I mean, I like it as a segment idea. I don't know how I feel about listening to a bunch of dudes sing "Runaway." If it's like, <laughs> if it's like super short or like. You just use it as like the 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 drop to get into the segment. That's, that's what we do. We do that. There, we, there you we... go. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I like that. All right, it yeah.
1: has the stamp of approval. Uh, <laughs> last couple questions. What is you know your segment on the show is a uh, entourage moment of the episode. What is your uh, like Mount Rushmore of entourage moments that you uh, that are geez. just like this is entourage.
0: So I just dropped uh, the season five finale, Return of Queens Boulevard, and after vinny is offered the uh lead role in great gatsby he flies to la and he makes up with e because he and e got into a 30 second fight where uh vince fires e and then there is a scene of them walking down sunset boulevard to the song can you get to that by funtadelic and it is like in the golden hour in la the sun is setting behind them there are like seven supermodels walking by and like just like a bunch of sports cars pull up and like models get out and they're all turning and looking at Vinny and like Ari literally says to him, are you guys ready for what's next? And Vinny goes, I've been ready for a long time, but don't worry. I won't let it get to my head. It is about as quintessential as like of an entourage woman as there could be hot women, the whole crew, a walk and talk sunset. And then them just like talking about like, it's our moment. This is our city <laughs> stuff. That's entourage. That's what that's that to me is like is perfect. So I literally just talked about that on the most recent episode with uh Fraser Tharp. He's the senior editor over at uh GTU and a good friend, but it's great. It's just it's it's perfect. It's uh it's that wish fulfillment. I want to be in that crew walking down the street as a bunch of supermodels turn and look at me while we go and get hammered. That, that's what I want, and so that's that's all it is it's not fucking like it's not tom brady showing up it's not kanye west it's like it's like what is the moment that i want to be in the most and that is just simply it just like being a part of that crew hanging out walking and talking enjoying each other's company
1: i think if i had to pick a moment i would want to be like around the whole crew it would definitely be either a night in drinking or a night in smoking or just like any like any event with just the five guys just hanging out like i love a turtle or a drama like barbecue where the whole crew is yeah. over and we're just drinking yeah. and having drama's
0: cooking yeah drama's cooking drama smoking up. a J, and like ian <laughs> vinnie or worrying about something <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i love how uh they're always drinking budweiser's and i have such a lizard brain that like that you advertisers like yourself would love because i look <laughs> at that and i'm like oh like i'm gonna go buy budweiser I the bottles do, now yeah i'm gonna dude, go drink back, budweiser's
0: they so they obviously had like a, a sponsorship with budweiser the show back when i think it was like season three and four back when it was airing in real time so that was 06 and 07 so i was a I was your age. I was a sophomore in college at DePaul University. They had these, it was like kind of like the Bud Light Platinums before that's a Bud Light Platinum. It's called a Bud Select. It had like a crown and a black label. It's supposed to look like a little elevated. The boys would drink them on the show. And then I would go buy them for parties because I was like, that's how this works. If I drink these beers, I'll be just like the guys in Entourage. And (laughs) dude, it worked like that. That's how, that's why advertising works. Like subconsciously, you're not even thinking about it. You just, you're at the beer aisle and you're like, I want that because I've seen some of my favorite people drink them. So that's uh, a capitalism, well. baby. Hell yeah. It's the best in the game.
1: Best, yeah. best to ever do it. Best ever, yep. best there ever was best there ever will be. Um, what, uh, when you were watching as a college student, was it just like a big thing where you go in the dorms and stuff and you'd have it on or what was, what would you have parties? What was the
0: vibe? No, not to watch, but like, cause it was Sunday night. So Sunday night's usually kind of like a reset night. You know, if I've spent all day watching football, I was working at the time. I was working at an Italian restaurant on the weekends just to make, you know, ends meet, get some free food. So it was definitely like a, you know, I had roommates at the time. We would it was appointment television. You know, you'd watch that run of television. It was like California Cation on a uh, Showtime, and then you'd watch like some Entourage and some Curb Your Enthusiasm, back to back to back. It was it was a nice night. You know, you did two three hours of just real quality, premium HBO programming, and uh, it was dope. I I look back on those times fondly, and that's why I I asked all my guests like what's your relationship like to entourage? Cause they all have like a very similar story. Oh, I discovered it when I was this age. And then I started watching with my friends and we would all watch it together. And that doesn't happen anymore. There's no television shows that everyone, you know, I guess early game of Thrones did that, but like nobody sits around. No, no one's like, Hey dude, do you want to come over and watch X, Y, or Z unless it's a game? You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, it sucks. There's no more that like, thankfully we're, we saw it dead for a couple of years. Um, after, Game of Thrones ended and then the pandemic we it was just a lot of binge watching. Thankfully we're like kind of back to event television. I'm so happy we're back because I uh, I really love it. I love, you know, going over uh and watching, you know, everybody's watching the same thing at the same time. We're all tweeting about it. We're all yep. engaging with it. It's the best. There's nothing better and thankfully 2022 it's kind of it's it's back. Yep. Do you uh, are you fucking with The House of the
0: Dragon? Oh yeah, hell yeah! I'm all caught up. It's pretty good so far. It's you know, a lot of incest the uh, the week's episode. But yeah, uh, it's all good. Lot this week's episode was pretty steamy. Yeah, Well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's, I don't think it's, it's it hasn't reached Game of Thrones level yet, but it's not a long runway and it's built up a lot of goodwill because it's in that same universe. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Do
1: you uh you miss those uh those
0: college days watching Entourage, bro? Fuck no, no. I'm so much. I'm so much of an of a better adult than I ever was as a college kid. I was a shithead, no money, like and that might seem like appealing to some people, but like, I had no aspirations, I had no direction and like now like my direction's clear. I'm good at what I do and I have a good life. So I'm like I don't no, I certainly don't miss that at all. And I know that's that might sound crazy to some people cuz a lot of people really really miss those years. I'm always looking forward like I said before all right boy. well thank you for
1: coming on bro i really appreciate it yeah, i got man. one last question for you then yeah. we'll wrap this up uh do you have a favorite episode character like what? Is, what do you really you know I, i'm sure you get asked this all the time but uh and then how about this i'll toss you a bone here do you have a favorite show outside of entourage any favorite shows that aren't
0: uh entourage related yeah good question so We've talked about him enough. My favorite character of an entourage is definitely Johnny drama because he's the most well-rounded because he is built on such truth. A character like Johnny drama in 2022 is like, you know, he's suffering from anxiety and he's insecure and he's got a bunch of identity issues and he's on a bunch of meditation and he's seen a therapist. It's like, it's like something that could exist today very easily. Whereas a lot of the other characters in the show are not caricatures, but they're, tv characters like turtle's a tv character uh ari's a bit of a tv character but you know a well-rounded one at that so it's drama i'm gonna say my favorite episode of entourage is in season two early on it's my maserati does 185 and it's the boys go to a lakers game sit courtside meet up with lamar odom afterwards get to go run around on the court at the staples center and they go to Jamie Presley's house for a beach party where Vince, sl- I mean E, sleeps with a perfect ten model, and Vince gives E a Maserati. And it's just—it was so early in the show, it just took the show to another level. I had the guys from Chad Goes Deep on to talk about that episode, and they were like, "Bro, you gave us the best episode. This is the best episode of Entourage." And I was like, "I know." And they're kind of perfect for that episode. Their whole vibe—they like are, a, they, they are beachy, for- like yeah. I- they and, just um, had a
1: show on Netflix, bro. Oh, yeah.
0: Hell, yeah. They, dude, would, they also came to my apartment in San Francisco, and we talked about uh, uh, One Day in the Valley, another iconic Southern California episode on the premiere of Aquaman with the Rolling Blackouts. And they were telling me back in 2019, yo, we got a Netflix show coming out. Don't tell anybody. I'm like, dude, you've had to keep this secret for three fucking years because of wow. the pandemic. It's wild. So I've been super pumped for those guys. It's awesome to see them succeeding i don't think i'll ever get them back on the pod sadly because they're so busy with everything they're doing but good dudes good Haynes. um your last question what other shows do i like am i watching i was a huge sopranos guy i still love sopranos goat like, goat just it's that that's one of those ones i give it a re-watch every two years or so and then honestly like friday night lights i really fucking <laughs> friday night lights it was uh it was good times it was like some a good show to watch with like a, a significant other you know some good good characters and uh yeah, I, I miss that show. Again, I don't want to reboot. I just miss it. You know what I mean? Like I, I like rewatching this shit, but I don't need all the characters to come back and show me how old they are now. You know I mean?
1: <laughs> we don't need a, a 50-year-old Jason Street in his wheelchair.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. All right, JR, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been a real pleasure, a real treat. Yeah. I uh, I love it. And um, it was fun talking Entourage, fun talking your journey, man. I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, and good luck with this. And keep uh, me posted when the episode goes live. I got you. It'll be out in, uh, be out pretty soon. And um, again, all right, everybody. Thank you, Jr. Um, thank you all for listening, and I will see you guys later. Peace. <laughs>